we need to be physically strong. We are DNA built as men with testosterone, which builds muscle. There is a strength that a man has. We need to build that and be tough. That is a tenant of being a man as we yep. step up and into a fight to serve, to protect, to provide, to do these things that we're supposed to do. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. All right, let's kick this episode off. I have with me today, Matt Shoup, repeat offender on the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Ridiculously amazing guy. I'm going to share a little bit about some of the things I've learned from him throughout the conversation, but... I am fast becoming a big fan, not not really a fan, but just really love what, what this guy is doing. And he does own a jiu-jitsu um, uh, school, so we'll talk all about that as well, which many of you are incredibly interested in. So welcome to the show, Matt, or welcome back, either. Thanks for having me. And it's funny, I'm, I'm a repeat offender, but I don't think I shared that my uh, last name's actually Shout. You did share that. And then you I'm repeat really offended and, and said it wrong. So you have to sing the Salt and Pepper song, go. I think I actually come on, come on. Ha- no 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 <laughs> I think I actually had to ask you like three times before the the first episode and I might have gotten it right and then I play these things in my head you would never know as a teacher because I messed up uh, the students names for that the first six months of them in my classroom it, yeah and you look at you look at it and your brain just wants to say shoop and half of my family says shoop. We actually really? uh, yeah, Im- immigrated from um, so we're Swiss and German, but the Schaubs, S-C-H-A-U-B, were actually in the like, 1600s, the ones who immigrated over here and became what today is now S-H-O-U-P, ah. which we say Schaub, but half the family says shoop. But in high school, I was called Shoopy Poopy, and then they sang the uh, Salt and Pepper song. Do you remember that? I don't. So that's why I didn't sing it. You don't remember that song? Plus, I don't sing. You don't sing? <laughs> Not you well. Go find, you got to go find that. <laughs> oh, I know which one you're talking about. The shoop, shoopy doop, yeah, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, dude, business owner, jiu-jitsu school owner, coffee shop owner, coffee manufacturer, distributor, <laughs> leader of entrepreneurial people, leader of men, husband, father. What did I miss? World traveler. Yeah, I like the travel. I love Spain. Yeah, I know you do. I was talking to your wife. So it, you guys, it, this was cool. So Matt, Matt pops on and he's like over in the corner. His wife's face is right there. And she just starts talking to me and he, he put her on to uh, fill a few minutes while he went and caffeinated himself, which is a really smart thing to do. And I had a great conversation with Emily. It was really cool. She's my, she's my better half. I married up for sure. Oh, dude, if we didn't both marry up, we'd be in <laughs> trouble, right? I tell totally. I there's a story, if you don't mind, there was a story. Uh, it's probably 20 years ago. I was at the Fred Meyer. I was walking in with my wife next to me and uh, my wife is incredibly fit and she's, you know, obviously I think she's bombshell, but (laughs) this couple is walking in front of us and I'm holding hands with my wife and they're holding hands and he's short and ugly and she's tall and beautiful. This lady in front of us, I'm like, man, that guy, that guy really, really married up. And then I stopped. Like, like vertically, like vertically, right? Like and I, in less. always, in always. <laughs> and I, I stopped and I was kind of like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> that's like yeah. what I did. Yeah, I'm like, too. ah, well then I saw him in a different light. I'm like, yeah, buddy, way to go. So yeah, I think that's what makes good men great. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would not be where I am today without her along the way. Right. Every step. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh, Oh man, if I'm not constantly growing, I feel like I let her down. And I think that's some, that's a, that's an edge. I was, I've said this a few times on the podcast recently, I was listening to my pastor and he was talking about his son who girls liked and his girls would kind of chase him around and he was just never interested. And his dad realized that he's a hunter. He loves to hunt. He loves the chase. And he told him, he said, Hey son, you know, you're not interested. You have all these girls. He's like, yeah, I'm just not. And he said, you know what? Find a girl who's not interested in you, that you're really interested in, and and pursue her. And he said he went, he, and yeah. I think that's intuitive to us men that, and I think that's what really, I'm, I'm going to be going on a limb here. I think that is an equation for a good marriage. 
if you got to just go, you got to chase that woman. You have to pursue her. You have to level up and you consistently are leveling up because she is that amazing. And it's funny, like we didn't, we didn't plan this conversation or even no. talk about talking about this, but we share our, our story, our love story a lot is, uh, it was 2002, just got back from my semester in Spain. So I spent January to May of 2002 in Spain, fell in love with Spain. It was an escape from where I was currently at and came from just in life in many ways. Get back, really difficult summer of this fight and battle between now having experienced two cultures and two countries and I'm, I'm in and out of this business thing and what am I going to do? And, and I learned how to salsa dance in Spain. So we go out Thursday night, salsa night here in Fort Collins. It was in the basement of this bar that used to be called the Suite 152. And uh, Emily got drugged by her roommate. So Emily's my now wife and she got drugged by her roommate who went to salsa night every night. And I literally looked across and saw her and saw her roommate who I knew. So we all went up, said hello. And all of these little guys were dancing around Emily. And she's like, stop, I don't dance. I don't want to dance. I don't want to be here. And I look at her. I'm like, gosh, I fell in love with her right away. Mm. And uh, she goes, hey, and you know, we get introduced. Hey, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Matt. She goes, do you want to be my fake boyfriend tonight just to get these guys away? They're buying me beers <laughs> there. And I'm like, I'll be your real boyfriend forever. And uh, we didn't really dance. We just, we hung out a little bit. And then when she left, when we left that evening, she goes, hey, next time I see you, just want just one thing. One thing I just want you to know, don't forget my name. Hmm. Next time I see you, don't forget my name. So a couple months later, I see her. This is like September when we meet. And then I see her a couple months later walking on campus. She sees me and I go, oh, there's that girl. There's that girl. There's that girl. And she uh -huh. saw in my eyes it, 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 and I knew what she was going to ask. Yep. She goes, hey, Matt. I go, hey, do you remember my name? I'm like, shit. <laughs> uh, 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 Aaron? <laughs> she, oh, no. I mean, Emily. She's like, bah, fail. Right. So yeah. nice to see you. Nice to see you. She takes off. I'm like, crap. Two months later, new semester starts and I was finishing up. I have a child development degree along with a Spanish degree. So we were both in the human development realm and uh, we had a couple of classes together and she comes in or I come into class and we switch seats. We're doing this activity and I come back to my seat and I had this leather, silly leather jacket I used to wear around thinking I was cool in college. You remember those like the pleather leather? Oh, yeah. And, um, it's hanging on the back of my seat. So I come back to it and she's sitting in it and she's like, Hey, Hey, and then we had four classes together. Then we started hanging out and we were uh, just friends. I'm doing mm -hmm. air quotes for a That's while, a good start, by but the I way. was in love and yeah, yeah, pursued her and pursued her and pursued her. And, you know, as we became more than just friends, she still said, we're just friends. Because she had gotten out of a relationship where the guy was just super, super crappy to her. And she said, hey, the next guy that comes along, I'm going to make him work. I'm going to make him fight. Like, this is going to be the guy I marry and I'm not messing around. Um, then she had an opportunity to learn about my story and kind of where I came from and where I currently just sat in life with my faith. She's like, I got to decide if I want to be alongside this guy as he figures this shit out. Because I had a lot to figure out, man, a lot to figure out back then. Then she met a couple people and was in a couple of environments where, where she got to know what kind of life I was in when she had to make that decision and she decided to stick by it. But here's what really happened, right? From a sales standpoint is I did the takeaway close on her. This mm. is, this is what got her. Okay. So we're hanging out. We're more than friends, right? We might've been smooching a little bit and we're hanging out. We're going out. I'm paying for it. We're doing the thing. Like we're together. And uh, every Friday night it was assumed that we would just go out. So this, I go, this Friday night's different. So she says, Hey Matt, what are we going to do? We go out to dinner usually, right? We go to like Chili's. <laughs> go, go to <laughs> high Chili's. class, brother. Dude, high class. I took her to Chili's, got the Presidente Margarita and we shared the fajitas. It was amazing. It was, it was high, high level. Yes. She's like, where are we going tonight? I go, I've got plans tonight. I'm, I'm taking uh, Megan out. <laughs> How did that work for you? <laughs> she goes, excuse me? I think she said you know, something to the excuse who Megan, uh, who's Megan. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. We're, we're just, we're just friends. I'm just, you and I are just friends. Megan and I maybe just friends. I don't know. We're going out. There's no, there's no Megan like we're, but it, it was just at this point, like, come on. I, Bold. I had never, well, I, I had just based on my experience, like I didn't know how to love a woman correctly, let alone myself or anybody else. I was still pissed off because everything I went through, I got bullied and abused, like had poor examples in the community I was in 
I was like, what does it look like to treat a woman? And then I just had found Jesus like a year before I went to Spain. So a year and a half, maybe two years before her and I connected, you know, I'm, I'm almost dead in a field, get hooked up in the back of a police car, give my life to Jesus. So I don't, I don't know what's going on, right? Looking back 23 years. Okay. Looking at it now, I got no idea who I am, what's going on, but I'm like, come on, I've, I've pursued you for you know, four or five, six months, whatever it was kind of a thing. And that was the most I had ever pursued anybody or, or anything. I, I had no commitment. I was chasing the girls till I got them. And then I got them. Then I, then I left. That's what I learned. So that's our, that's our story. And then, you know, we both dug in and our stories came together and now here we are. Like you just talked around a podcast. We got two beautiful children. I told her on our second date, like this is while we're still friends. So back up before the takeaway close. Uh, I said to her, I go, man, we'd have beautiful kids one day. I told her that literally after the third time we hung out, she's like, you're creepy, dude. You're, but I just knew. And we do. The kids are adorable. That's awesome. But, but I knew That's- like, you know, when you know, you know, and, um, yeah. uh, is it wild at heart, right? Yep. Fight to have an adventure and a beauty to chase, like a fight to fight adventure to go on. Like we're wired like that as men by God. Yeah, you said and, it. Yeah. And you're, I remember reading that. It's like, oh, this is so good because we talk about the chase and then talk about kind of giving up on the chase and what that leads to pornography and all yeah. the, the shortcuts in life and and really make how it makes us like just kind of obsolete of, as men, quite honestly. Yeah, but yeah. It so I I feel like I'm constantly pursuing my wife. Like it, my goal is to never stop. Yes, if I'm not serving in the, her in a new way or in a in a very consistent um, way that meets her needs then i'm i'm not doing what i need to do and i think it's been an incredible key to a really really incredible marriage what do you do to pursue your wife so so for a while i didn't because it was um the well i got her what do you mean you have to keep pursuing her what do you mean like i got her God, you don't need to do that. So I didn't realize that it was, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do it cause I didn't know. And then, and then when I realized it, one of the big things that we talk about, so she's now currently next door, next to the studio here. Uh, it, we're in a transitional period in the business. She's my right hand. Like she's just helping me with the business. She doesn't want to be here. It's not her goal, but she just knows that she, she has to it, like, that's the only person I trust. The only person that is this close to me, but I love a couple of things for, for listeners is read the book, love languages. When I finally, so step one, you realize that you must pursue your wife forever. Okay. And I'm not. So let's check that box and do that. Step two, go buy love languages, read the book and okay, I'm pursuing her. So I'm a high D driver action, Mm -hmm. get it done, fix things. Typical male. She wants to tell me about her day and her plight of the day. And I'm like, well, here's the answer. She, she feels love and is loved and receives love by just quality time. So sitting on the couch, not doing anything, just staring off into the out the window just being together i can't do that i can't sit still i love her by doing things acts of service so i get home and she just wants to tell me about her day and i'm like let me clean the dishes let me help with the laundry let me do 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 be you know and she's like i just want to be 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 so understanding the way that you give love and receive love and those can be different the way you give it versus receive it and same with your spouse like what i do to give love isn't what she needs to receive love and um, again, personality styles, we do this thing called Couples Connection Night, where we have couples out to our building. I'm formally certified through Intermetrics as a behavioral analyst using uh, DISC, Human Motivators Index. It's how and why you behave the way you do, right? It's these personality right. tests. It's you're this animal, this color, this cheeseburger, this whatever. So I'm this driving, outgoing, extroverted party person. And she's like the introvert, like what gives me life takes life out of her. So understanding just those two things, love language and personality style. Um, if you go to my website, go to mattshop.com, grab the free tools, each you and your spouse, go take that leadership language survey is what I call it and read those together. It's amazing. So those things like that has totally been a game changer for us. Yeah, I think the uh, same here. And we, what I did was I, I created there's PDFs out there for love languages, but they're like little cheat sheets of, mm. I, I just had them rebranded with brotherhood of fatherhood, but they're little cheat sheets that say, okay, if your wife's spouse love language is this, this is what 
you should do. Here's what doesn't work. But yes. men got to understand that number one, your default is going to be to love her the way you like being loved, which yep. is typically the exact opposite of what you got to do. So if you like her grabbing your butt and you grab her butt because you like you yep. like it, you're not speaking her language. You're literally just doing that for yourself. So you can go away from the day, but man, I'm an awesome, I'm an grab awesome husband. Butt, I, yeah. <laughs> like I am so great. I I'm groping her all day long. I'm, um, I'm solving all her problems, which was the thing I did. And then, you, you know, oh, yeah. and if you were, to, if, if you were to stop and ask her, you know, how am I doing? Well, you kind of suck. <laughs> like, cause you're not speaking her language. You're speaking a total, yeah. total chaos. And, and the truth is, is my wife and I've given each other permission. I will stop and say, remember that I like X, X, and X. And I don't feel like we're speaking the right languages right now. We have created a safe space to tell each other, you're not speaking my language and it sometimes it's yeah. really hard to receive but i think it's so incredibly important to have that communication. well and as i'm as i'm speaking through that sounding like we're we're so great at it with the season we're in just with the business and the busy and everything going on and you know kids playing football just everything like the whole everything family that i'm like i could be doing a lot better at what i just said on the podcast i think i'm doing so good at oh always <laughs> and i think that's next a, door we could pull her in we should pull her in and ask her how good i'm <laughs> We're both doing work. Five or I don't six want to put right you on now. The, no, I don't I mean, want to put you on the spot. That's the truth. No, that's, yeah. I, I, I bet you'd say about a five or a six. I think we have to be constantly evaluating. And I, I've said this on the podcast a bajillion times that there's people who need a bajillion reminders and also people who haven't listened before. My big, big win was my wife would come to me and tell me, uh, share something stressful going on or a problem. And the day I learned to look at her and say, is this, a, is this a time where you would just like me to listen? Or is this a time where you'd like me to solve? As soon as I figured that out, that's the first thing I would do. Man, talk about fireworks in our marriage. Because she's like, I just need you to listen. And so I wouldn't go into the fix mode. The beauty of it was, is I had yeah. great, uh, it became back to me really well because I would listen. I'd say, wow, that really sucks. You know, I, I, that is, I'm really sorry you're going through that. It's literally like the thing and hold her and listen. And then the beauty of it was, is I was rewarded because she would come back later almost always and say, okay, I'm ready to hear what you think I should do. I'm like, ah, I get to solve this. And, yeah. but she was ready to receive it. So we were both receiving kind of that thing we needed to do. And I don't know that every relationship would work that way, but I think once you kind of plug into the, the really, the, the, the communication level of what do you need from me right now? It's like unlocking a new level of marriage. It is. And just at a, at a human level, just spoke about this in a little bit of a different context in a business and a sales setting about contribution care. Those are two really baseline things that we need Maslow's hierarchy, right? You've got food and just like, Hey, if we don't have food, water, shelter, we're going to die. But right above that is this, this care is being loved and contributed to. And I think, you know, it's always that balance of, selfish versus selflessness and it's like hey what what do i need right now well i'm expecting you to give it to me first i'm not going to give you what you need i've been there right now. i'm not doing this because you're not giving me this it's like oh, hold on one of us needs to you know just when i can slow down a little bit for emily i can slow down when i can be right just sit on the couch even just a little bit all of a sudden like magically she's speaking my language and somebody's got to go first and a lot of our fights we've seen this and i'm probably more the culprit uh, of this than, than her is, you know, when, when I'm not getting what I need, I'll, I'll hold out longer and further just to prove a point. Cause I can be kind of a jerk like that. I am. I no, think and guys I know that. do that. We That's do. normal. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you want to do it. So just to be, um, humble and understand that. So I use the uh, acronym USA. So as we're talking about things, learning anything and then applying it is uh, two totally different things. So the U mm -hmm. is you need to just understand the framework, the concept, what we just talked about, understand it. S is state it, right? Or you could call it, acknowledge it, just state it. Hey, I understand this and I'm going to state that there's a love language and then you're going to act on it is the A, just USA. Yep. That's awesome. So, and and uh, then always look back at that. Hey, did I, did I forget? Am I not understanding? Is this not stated? Because it's easy to get in a rhythm and a pattern and busy and kids and this and taxi into sports. Hold on, like where are we in this little little cycle here just always reevaluating it and nothing's perfect 
But so many yeah. people, right, don't even understand it, right? We talk to men, we talk to couples, we're here at couples night and these people are looking at us like, there's personality styles here? I've yeah. never even known this or understood this. They're like, it's so cool to see them deer in headlights because they leave just with so much understanding. And then whether they act on it, that's up to them. But it's really cool just to see them, their eyes open. Oh my gosh, this is a thing. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, Kim and I do do some stuff with couples. Um, we're working, walking five couples through a 16 week process right now. And some of them get up, but some of them don't. And it's it, when you, it's amazing how a marriage can change dramatically through one, one new skill set or one new um, operating mode, especially for men yeah. and women. There, there's something that I find that's a game changer for women, for their men is do not tolerate, do not tolerate and do not ever speak negatively about your husband to anybody else and do not tolerate anybody speaking negatively to your husband about your husband in your presence this is a, a thing that women tend to do in groups right and yeah um, men too yeah both yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, that's true and i think yeah. that that is absolutely intolerable and i once my wife she shared with me she's like when women do that i will i will be <laughs> I will be the bitch in the room and I'm going to let them know that they are dishonoring their husband. And there's just these little, little little tweaks we can make that mean so much. They change our attitude. They change our actions. They change the way we think. And for the guys, the easiest one is first, guys, go do the love languages things. Be the leader. Have your wife do this with you. And um, But then in the meantime, in the meantime, listen, don't solve. And ask when when it's time to solve. And so... That's because so mostly, mostly so that hits on a on a love language that is pretty pretty predominant for women. Man, I have so much I want to talk to you about. This is this is fun to talk about. I think a lot of guys need to. Well, I know a lot of guys need to level up in their marriage, and I think a lot of times they're they're waiting for their wife to be a better wife, and they need to go back to the pursuit principle. Go pursue their wives and start. Yeah start seeing things from a, not a selfish lens from a servant leader lens, but you know, we could talk about this for days on end. Cause I think you and I jive a lot on how, yeah. how we operate. Well, we've, you know, I have a lot of friends, Emily does as well. You know, she has a heart for women, women pouring into women and just their story. And she has a lot of different women that she knows going through different things. And I know a lot of men in, in the space where like, there's divorce, there's separation. And there's always this, you know, it comes down eventually to finger. There, there's three sides to every story, but it's like, at what point did, did that start? You know, was it the husband's lack of pursuing? And then the woman says, I'm not being pursued. So then, you know, there's the things that guys struggle with. And we talk about that, but then there's also the things that girls talk about. And it's like, what, one of the, where does it start? Everybody has the same responsibility within that relationship to, to check that. But it's just really interesting to hear those stories because I'll hear sometimes mm. the man's side, she'll hear the women's side. And when it comes together, it's like, hold on, you're both both part of this. But yeah, not pursuing. I know when Emily doesn't feel pursued, because we've talked about this, she doesn't feel pursued. And then based on her background and story, because I have my background and story of what I went right. through, I know what hers is. So we all have our self-sabotaging mindsets, right? Mine is everybody's going to betray me. They're out to get me. They're going to F me over. Because okay, that's what I grew up with. She had some experiences in her life that, I'll, and I'll let her share those. Like we should get our wives on. We'll do a we'll do a podcast really as couples. Cool. That'd be amazing. And she Emily's down for that. Well, I actually just volunteered her. I do that a lot. I'm gonna yeah, ask her. That's, that works. That's really great in marriage. <laughs> but, but yeah, no. Hey, I guess what we're going on a podcast. But <laughs> but you know, so we have we have these these conversations where she says, Matt, when this happens you know, the stress happens. Like right now I'm under a tremendous amount of pressure and things coming at me because I'm really doing God's calling for my life. And I know this and she's seeing me almost just lose it every day. Like I almost put, like put hands on somebody the other day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with no right to just because I was at the end of my rope. And I'm like, and she's like, she's my buffer. She's like, Matt, let me go speak to this person because I see where you're at. But uh, when she sees that happen, then I go back to this old programming. And then I stop pursuing her. And then she says, well, now I don't feel pursued or loved. And then her programming kicks in. And all of a sudden, like we were literally just happy on, on a podcast with you guys. And we're about to just throw down, have a big marriage fight. 
And, and no, it can happen. But being aware of that, so love languages, personality styles, and understanding your story. Where where did you come from? Where are you? Where are you going? Think of a vehicle, right? So we're in this car together. Maybe not. Sometimes couples aren't. We're looking through the windshield, right? To the vision, to the future. Do we have a roadmap? Do we have a plan? What, what does that look like? Where do we want to go? But then what I do and what you do, what everybody does is we're driving the car. Oh, flat tire. Yeah, you keep driving into the same pothole that you know is there. Or, oh, you just threw spikes in front of your own tire. That is that, that bad programming that kicks in if you use this as an analogy. And while we're in the car together, say we're in the car together, right? We're on the same page. We can't see it as a couple, but you and your wife could totally see our car from the outside. You're like, ah, oh, that tire is just out of air. It needs a little air right here. Or, hey, when this happens, Matt does this and the car goes off course. Sometimes couples aren't even in the same car together. Husband's driving fast, million miles an hour. I'm the, that, that's me. I'm the Corvette. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Emily's like, whoa, I'm an 18-wheeler. Like, slow down. You just had 12 ideas before breakfast. Um, so, yeah, like, that's, that's our life right there. And yeah. it's, been, it's been fun to come alongside couples, you know, me with men, her with women, us together, and just talk about that stuff. It's powerful and it's needed. It's really needed. There's just the a kids, lot of the kids see it. The kids see it and learn it. Our kids are 15 and 12. They've already seen it. They've already learned it. Riley already has a printing and programming and belief system of, of how to treat a woman based on how he's seen me treat Emily and where I've done great, where I've not done great. And, and Haley, our daughter now has a viewpoint of how a man should treat her based on how I've treated mom. And, I ha- and we haven't done it perfectly. We talk about that, but they're, they're, they're cooked. They're baked probably by yeah. six, seven, literally five, six, seven. There you got that figured out. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. The, the power that we have in the way that we treat our marriage. I will say this over and over and over again. The best way to serve your kids is to serve your wife, your spouse, because they're going to see that going to carry it on. Like your daughter is going to look for a man who treats her her the way you treat your wife that's her standard she set. i mean and yeah. so that's a pretty serious thing <laughs> we were talking last night so emily and i were in spain this was because we go to spain a lot and riley was young he was like three so this is 12 12 years ago and we're driving in the car and i'm driving in spain which is difficult enough we're in the middle of madrid we have this spanish guy giving us the wrong directions in the back seat she's in the passenger seat and this is before all the you know maps and internet access there. And she's not reading the map fast enough. And these streets change directions and everything. So we're totally lost. And I was just stressed. And I got a Spanish guy behind me screaming at me. And, I'm, and I said, like, just tell me, tell me what effing street to get. Like I said that, right? Like, tell me the effing right. street before the street gets here. I said something to that degree. And Riley's three, right? He's like on his sippy cup back there. And he's like, Dad, do you ever talk to mom like that again? <laughs> I will punch you like he's three, you know? And we talked about that last night. We were watching uh, Amazing Race and and we saw the husband yell at the wife and Emily's like, do you remember that, Riley? He goes, kind of do. So like just to get called out like that, right? At three, he knows. You don't talk to her like that. That's awesome. But but the fact we can talk about that now 12 years later and say, yeah, I screwed that up. That That was a bad moment. Don't do that. Another mark of a good man, a good father, good husband is admitting faults and using those to, uh, you know, teach your kids. Like I, I look at my mistakes and, and I'm very clear about them with my kids. I use them as an example. I use them as an opportunity for learning. Um, just had, I uh, have one every single day, but uh, I had an opportunity this week. My wife's gone. I was gone last week. Things are incredibly stressful. We're moving, we're doing all the things. And my son was kind of like, asking way above what he should be asking and i just flipped out in front of his, his him and his his friend um, yep you've got to be bleepity bleep. i'm like yeah. oh that is not who i am so i literally had to say to them hey that was completely inappropriate i'm, I'm experiencing some stress but that is not the way you re- respond to stress and you just got the backlash and i think that that says so much more about or it just you just have to do that you just you just have to yeah, and in that, you know, under the, the USA, understand you did that, state you did that, and ask, act, ask for forgiveness. I mean, I, 
I, I do that once a day, at least like once a day, every day. I'm just a dick and, and I, and I misspeak and I overspeak and I say something hurtful. And it's usually, especially now with a lot of the, the business transition, it's to the people closest to you, right? Like I'd never speak like that to the four-year-old kid on the jujitsu mats. Right. But right. I would to my team, you know, we're going through a lot with the team. You just, we just do, because I think we have that, that trust and relationship, but also this, well, do not the not the right or abilities there's just space there to where people are going to see you like me i vent i gotta vent and get it out i did this with you before we started i just mm -hmm. unloaded on you so i'm not doing it here right for, for people that, that that don't know us but i say like every every time i do that i'm like ooh, i was a dick and don't ever go to like don't ever go to sleep without asking for, for that for that forgiveness and i've done that but i do i go hey Haley, i'm sorry i should not have spoken to you that way or spoken about this topic like this and i'm sorry i forgive you dad so you know what i've seen what i've experienced is when that is never understood stated or asked for and then you want to come 30 years later and try to ask for it maybe if you do maybe if you don't like yeah. that's that's a problem that's the that's what you and i carry as men from you know however that happened to us in a different time where usa no one even knew what that was and we're carrying that now you know, so it's, it's not having our kids carry some of the stuff that we're carrying. One of the reasons I like having conversations like vulnerable conversations like this, and that's really the premises of my events and the things to do is just get growing some vulnerability and understanding in that. It's like last, last week at my event, a dear friend of mine was leading something and, and I was a little irritated about a few things and I process verbally. I, I have to process ver verbally, at least that's the belief I have. And so I was talking to another guy who kind of co-lead, kind of was just helping me out. And I was like, man, I should not say something negative about anybody. And I had to go circle back around and be like, okay. Like I said some things. I was experiencing frustration. It's, but it's, um, the whole reason I'm sharing this is because it's really nice to understand that other guys are experiencing the same thing that we experience. It's not isolated. I felt like I'm the only guy that complains about these things and has to vent. And then you're just sitting here telling me, no, this is something I got to do. And there's a lot of relief in that, but it also helps us bring a new cognitive level of understanding of what we're doing so that we can work on it and fix it right, or get better at it. Yeah. 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 Self-awareness. I think, gosh, there's so many things. So we started initially speaking about pursuing, right? That's just one right. of these tenets of manhood. And then there's this providing and protecting, which I know we're going to get into whether a little bit today or next, next to. episode. Yes. That's just something we're wired to do. And then when we're not doing that or feeling like we're doing that, especially on the providing and, and protecting, then, then you can go to some, you know, some, some really, really not good places. Right. And to be able to just to speak about that, I think a lot of men don't realize that other men go through it and then somebody has got to go first. So like back to painted baby, right? It's, we paint this picture of perfection. We, we posture this position that's not true. And, you know, at the end of the day, we closed out our last podcast with, um, I was in Spain, uh, with Haley back in April and a gentleman, I want to really respect the story. L let me just share in more generalities. A friend of mine, that I've known for a long time reaches out to me and he never reaches out to me. This is on a, on a Friday and I get the message Monday just cause my phone's off and I'm overseas and somebody that he was very close to had the perfect life, perfect wife, kids, everything job. I mean, the, the you look at that thing on paper, guys got it all, uh, left a note, took his life, left a wife and multiple children and his friend just, was really close to that situation. So when this happened, everybody's calling him and he doesn't know what to do. And he goes, man, I don't understand this. This guy had, and he's just listing off the, the shiny marketing brochure, right? That's mm -hmm. what I said. And he wasn't. And it comes down to whatever he was going through. He didn't have anybody to talk to about it. So men don't talk about it. Be tough. Don't be a pussy, right? Like all, the, right. all this stuff. And we're expected to, to live by this. So where do we go? Because we're not always tough. And sometimes we cry and that's okay. And we got stuff and he didn't have anybody to go to. And, and that, you know, to relieve that pain, that frustration, like I pop off, I'm, I'm a steam kettle. I pop off every day. I have to, I'm not going to hold that in. That's, that's not safe <laughs> for anybody or anything. And he didn't have anybody to go to. Now yeah. the guy's not here. And now his widow and kids without a dad have to process through that. And I think he left a note. So they can at least have some understanding, but how fucked is that? No, yeah. seriously. I don't know how else to say it, man. 
No, um, that, it is. That, that that happens every day. And there's not yep. more guys talking about it and leading that conversation. And then there's guys in the man space that kind of start it, but then they get it really wrong with saying, well, you, you should be this and be this, but you can't do this. No, no, no. Like you're wrong. Right. That's, that's not okay. We, I'm proud to say that at my event, the first year and the second year, which just, you know, the second one, I'm just talking about the specifically year, the early one I do. There was so much crying. It was ridiculous. There was so much healing through walking out these things that are going on inside of guys' brains. I literally, one, and this is not to puff myself up, but I legitimately believe that life or lives have been saved because of this opportunity. And there is not enough people in the men's space embracing the fact that we've got to get below the bravado. And I'm all about masculinity. I am all about strength. I'm all about being harder to kill protection. I, all of those things I think are incredibly like they are paramount. That's why, that's why we went through, I think it was 10 hours of combat shotgun training at my event. Killing, breaking arms. Yep. Yeah. Whatever that is. Right. And, and about four hours of jujitsu training. And that's why, but that coupled with the opportunity for men to be incredibly vulnerable and say, here's where I effed up in my life. And, you know, this year, guys shared, I've been contemplating suicide and I've gone this far and this is where mm-hmm. I've gotten. And I ultimately believe that I've saved lives. Not I, that, that opportunity has saved lives. And I don't, I really believe that doing the right kind of work will continue to move this in the right direction. It's this very, very, very small number, but man, I've had a friend take his life. It was a year and a half ago now. And I got the suicide text, me and his parents got the suicide text. I was one of the lucky guys. And um, I'll never forget that. I'll ne- he, he, was, he was planning on coming to my event. He was, it was before my very first one. He was my biggest fan. And uh, that's a pretty strong driving force. He's no longer here because he didn't have that opportunity yeah. to relinquish really what's going on and, and let people know. And then by letting people know, you realize other people let you know where they're at. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not the only one whose wife said she's leaving me. I'm not the only one who's screwed up and done something horrible to X, Y, and Z or had, you know, childhood pains. And um, it's just an incredibly powerful opportunity. Yeah. And and the fact that you're creating that that space, right? And give and give yourself credit, right? That's not that's not bravado. You're creating a space and a place for men to know that that's okay to 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 do. So yeah, take total ownership of that. And anybody who thinks that's bravado, they just got their own bravado to deal with and my opinion that's what they think about it but another thing is yeah just we just knowing that we have a place and a space to go to be able to talk about that and there's and there's somebody or that other guys are doing it you know it's a it's a wave that's coming that we really need right now and again Mm -hmm. like we're talking man-to-man man man stuff women do the same thing women commit suicide women think about these things um i spoke to a man the other day whose wife took her life and um the same kind of scenario she thought when, when you think that's the way to end pain, I heard a great quote. I, uh, we're at a new church pastor, uh, Carl Sutter, he stands up and he says, Hey, we're having a men's retreat. Who wants to go? I know you guys don't want to go because like, here's the, here's the reality. Men have been wounded by men, usually their father or other men close to them that were a father figure. And because men were wounded by men, they're going to protect themselves from who other men. So they don't connect with who other men, they don't get vulnerable at all. Because you can't with a woman because a woman thinks you cry, you're, you're all this. So where do you go? You don't. You keep it in, you keep it in, you keep it in. Right. And what do you go to? Right. Pills, porn, booze, money. Like, check them all, I've done them all. No, seriously. Like, like what, are, what are the other ones, right? Probably you got, you got pills, porn, booze. Those are the big ones. Uh, working out being a tough guy like what whatever whatever that is whatever that is it's like you need this certainty and security because you were wounded and you're going to find it in somewhere or something and it's to like all that stuff kills and dulls the pain it's a shortcut to a solution instead of going to your story and getting dirty and figuring it out that's hard work that is hard work to do and we need more guys to say you got some shit you got to go deal with and you got to do the hard work there's no easy way around the pain you went through in your story and and I every day, like I can go to those things, and it's easier. 
right? And you and I, we yeah. probably at some point, some days, you, just, you go, sometimes you have a day, you go to those things. Like, yep, that just, that temporarily fixed it, right? <laughs> like it does. Well, we're human. We are. We all, yeah. And it's and like, and if, and if somebody's going through that right now, whether you don't need to talk about like neuropsychologically and the dope, everything that happens in the brain, but like, say you're doing that every day right now, you're going to five things every day. You're in all of them. Can you just go to four things or can, maybe it's one that's got you, you know, I know what mine are that get me and mm-hmm. that got me and maybe it's every day, you know, maybe it's 10 times a day. Can you just do it nine times a day? Can you just be better? Cause I think there's this whole, you know, cold Turkey in or out. No, you know, if you're going to one thing five times a day, seven days a week, 35 times a week, can you do 34 and then 33 and then 32 slowly, slowly, it's- slowly. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, it's like habit stacking, right? You got to replace an activity, yeah, or and, something and, and with something else. Put it Take back in there to. with with something else, and it, and if you yeah. can be around people that you see are doing that, it's, it's it's an amazing thing. Like I am where I am. I should be, Scott. I should be dead, imprisoned, disappeared, <laughs> or or had just murdered somebody. No, seriously, um, because no, of I, I, everything I I've gone through. You. If you look at the yeah. statistics of like my story and these things and statistically what typically happens to people that have gone through those things. I'm not here on a podcast with you today talking about this. And it was because in the company of other great men, they broke me down to build me up. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I'm required to do now for other men. And I get to do it in the business and the leadership space. And you're taking retreats up North to Canada. I'm going to Spain. We're doing a men's group here and it's fun and it's so needed. So it's yeah, very, it, hats it's off hard to work. You, man. It's exhausting. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it is very, it's very emotionally exhausting. I, we're out of, we're, we're going to run out of time. So I wanted to talk today about an experience you had when you were with your daughter and we have to get to that. We can't get it to today because I you don't want to get leave. away with that. No, I can wrap that up pretty quick uh, and oh, well, I'd love to share. Oh, I just interviewed two, two weeks ago and it dropped last week. Matt Thornton, who started Straight Blast Gym, which is a jiu-jitsu gym out of Portland. He has 70 locations and really successful in the jiu-jitsu world. I've been to one of his gyms up in Montana. He has a great, great group of them up there. And uh, he uh, he wrote a book called The Gift of Violence. Yeah, And it's a, a lot of statistics about really where violence comes from. A lot of fatherless homes. But he's he's very analytical and statistic based, and then he talks about why violence is actually a gift. It's it's an incredible book, and it was an incredible interview. And I'm I'm reading through the book right now. There's some things that I'm like, yeah, I don't really agree with you on that. I mean, his 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 view of uh, religion as kind of like a farce, like crazy thing. But but on the other end, it's it's really incredible, and he talks a lot about the gift, like giving that gift of violence to your kids. And why that's a gift. And you immediately came to mind. And then I was, yeah. we, we did the jujitsu thing. So that popped, that dropped. Then I had my event and guys were there. And so yesterday I was interviewing one of the guys from there and he's like, I listened to your podcast. I was, he's, he's injured. He had just had shoulder surgery. I watched the jujitsu stuff. I went home, ordered the gift of violence book and enrolled my entire family in jujitsu. We start next week. And yeah, um, I love it. And so I'm like, oh, you got to hear Matt's story. So jujitsu has always been something intriguing to me. And you own a jujitsu studio. You own you. You are a practitioner yourself. I don't know if you call it that, but um, and I, you you speak, you know, highly of it. Yeah. And you know, I was talking about the gift of violence, and I'd love to hear your. Well, I'd love for you to read it, or at least kind of listen to that podcast and give me your feedback. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Uh, not to put you on the on the spot or anything, but uh, no, um, it's a big part of my story. I, I have very much a strong stand based on you know experiences and conclusions that you know I call it a conclusion, you call it an opinion, but it's uh, served my life and my family very well. So yeah, I'd love to share, love to yeah. unpack it. So as we yeah. were transitioning from talking about men being in this space where they can be vulnerable, like like we need to be physically strong. We are DNA built as men with testosterone, which builds muscle, there is a strength that a man has. We need to build that and and be tough. Like we need to be resilient. That is a tenant of being a man as we step up and into a fight to serve, to protect, to provide, to do these things that we're supposed to do, whether you believe God created you or we evolved, however you think it is, 
there is a physical presence and true definition of what that is. And part of that is having the capability to kill somebody else if you need to. So through history, and, and I didn't read Gift of Violence, but through history, there, there's war where two sides take side and they kill each other. And technology has been overlaid with that and that gets easier to do. Now you can do it like a video game, right? You, but, but like men and humans have been fighting each other through time and they will continue to do, right? And a lot of, I don't know what he said about the religion, but yeah, a lot of that's based on these difference and you know, big things, religious beliefs. But I have the capacity and capability to kill somebody with my bare hands based on the training that I've had in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So 16 years Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, five years in the Israeli hand-to-hand combat and personal security and protection for people, the church setting. So I'm very skilled to do that. Every man should have that. Doesn't mean you need to use it. Doesn't mean you need to flex it. So you should be dangerous in the fact that you have that capability and that needs to be controlled, restrained, parked, in a place until it's needed. And it's rarely needed. But that's the physical. Okay. There is a psychological component of conflict and fighting and just an argument. If you got you and I get in an argument, I don't want to physically fight you. Let's just talk. Let's have coffee. The guy coming the building tried to fight me the other day. I'm like, you should probably just have coffee with me first. This will go this will go a lot better. But but to have that and not ever have to use it, that is a good thing. There, there's nothing virtuous, and, and this is like Jordan Peterson just said that I saw this. Somewhere. There's nothing virtuous or good about you have no capacity to do it, so you don't do it. Well, I would never hurt somebody. Well, you can't. It's not good because what happens when somebody does not, if but when you experience violence, when somebody with bad intentions and appropriate conditions executes, it's called ICE. We teach this in a self-defense program that we're building and running here. Not everybody has good intentions. There are people that will commit violence against you. And they want an easy target. So if they have the right and bad intentions to do something bad to you, rape you, kill you, whatever, this happens every day in Loveland, Colorado, because I'm training these guys and I'm hearing the stories from law enforcement. This is backed by data. And you are an easy target. Someone's going to take advantage of you. And men should protect women and children and their family and other people that can't protect themselves. And I feel so strongly about that because I was bullied, I was abused, and nobody was there to protect me. Then I was told to toughen up, not be a pussy. And then you get all this bad advice. I'm writing a children's book right now is that jujitsu is the gentle art. We should be strong and stand firm and step in front of people that can't defend themselves with a big smile. And I'd prefer to love you, have a conversation. But if you don't want to have a conversation, okay, because I'm going to be gentle and kind at the same time until you threaten what I love. And you put your hands on me or my daughter, you try to pull her out of a taxi in Spain, you're not working for the rest of your life. Like straight up. And this hap- this happened. So that's my stance on it. It's not about bravado and being tough. Like, cause when I first learned jujitsu, I'm like, man, I can't wait to kick somebody's ass. And I did the first time I did, I was like, holy crap. I almost killed somebody. I tossed a kid. He was drunk. He came after the family. And I was I just couldn't wait to just use jujitsu. And I tossed a guy <laughs> as a blue belt. So like two years in at a pool in Mexico. And Emily's like, thanks for protecting us. That was a little much. You like this guy got thrown. So the more I learn it and the more capacity I have, the less I want to use it ever. But the more I'm prepared to. And then the last time I did, which was about two and a half months ago, it it was quick. It was violent. And we got home safe. It's fully justified. Yeah. So I want to know about that story because I think it will give a little... And this is the point I try to make and not so eloquently. You made that point very eloquently is that you just in the moment you need to be prepared and equipped. Do what you have to do to protect yours. Um, Yeah. But it's so often seen in the other light of like, well, I can, so I will. But that's tough guy stuff. Yeah, that's tough guy bullshit. You were in Spain with your daughter on a long extended trip. Yeah. And you were getting in a taxi and I I can't Mm -hmm. tell the story because I just read, read through it and. Yeah, it's a, uh, I posted that. Yeah, and uh, I waited till I got home in the United States to post it. Smart. <laughs> yeah, 
So what happened, so so my experience with Spain, I love Spain. I love Seville, Spain. They are, so the Southern Spain, Andalusians, Sevillans, Sevillanos, they are the most kind people, amazing people, friendly people. I'm in a city that I love. I mean, I have the bell tower of Seville tattooed on my arm. I'm, when I go there, I'm not American. I'm half Sevillano. They confuse me and mistake me for that. So when I'm there, I'm one of them. I love that place. So what happened for everybody listening, please know and hear my love for the country. This is not because this is how people in Spain or Seville or anywhere behave. This was just eight drunk assholes that made a really bad decision and picked on the wrong person. So we're at the Seville Fair. Seville has this huge campground on on the uh, west side of the Guadalquivir River. And they set up these little tents, these little casetas, and you go and they drink. They know how to drink. So they all drink rebujito. It's basically half sweet wine, half seven up. So they're in suits and Haley's in a flamenco dress and you ride a horse and carriage into the fair. And it's this week long thing that is a celebration of the entering into spring. And you get invited to these private casetas um, like you're being invited into their home, right? So it's kind of this out with the old in with the new biggest party in the world. So we're partying. We're dressed up and we're tired. It's like midnight, between midnight one in the morning, we just had chocolate churros and we're walking back to a taxi station and there's a line for the taxi cab. We get in line. There's a couple of ladies in front of us. Taxi pulls up. I said, oh, go ahead, ladies. And um, they said, no, we're waiting for a friend. These two older, older ladies, probably seventies or eighties. I said, okay. They said, you can have the taxi. And then, oh, my friend's here. They said, I go, well, you ladies take the taxi. And I don't know if we stepped out of line or the people behind us didn't think we were in line, but we were in line. So ladies get in the cab, next cab comes. I go open the door for Haley, let her in so that taxi pulls up street side at this plaza, little roundabout. Haley gets into, and we're fully dressed, suit and tie. She's dressed, hair, everything. Gets into the back seat of the taxi. She's now back seat driver's side of the taxi. And as soon as she gets in, I hear this screaming, hey, hey, hey. And they're not only cursing, but they're cursing. They're calling me every racial foreign slur that they could call a white American. And those words don't matter. But if I was doing that to a Hispanic or an African-American father and his daughter getting into a taxi here, I hope everybody there would punch me in the mouth. Just what they said to me. Okay. They said, you beep, 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 beep. This is our taxi. I said, no guys. I said, I was in line. And they're like, giddy, you foreigner, you effing foreigner. You know, not thinking I spoke Spanish. I'm like, oh, I speak Spanish. You don't understand. I said, no, I fully understand. I said, I was in line. You guys were behind me. We're getting in the taxi. Turn to get in the taxi. They stormed the taxi. So a man and his wife, they're about 50, 60 years old. And all of a sudden, I turn to get in the taxi. I turn my back to them and he grabs the taxi door, pulls it open. And I turn around. This guy's grabbing the taxi door with his right hand. And then his left hand grabs my right forearm. And like in Spain, they get drunk and they say things. Many places they get drunk and say things. I'd never expected that. So all of a sudden, guy's got his hands on me. I just I circle my wrist and I push him away. I just, it's easy. It's a basic jujitsu move. My kids do. Everybody knows how to do that. They do jujitsu. I spin out, push him away. And his wife, she's like five foot nothing. This little pistol. She's cursing. She starts spitting at me and screaming. I'm like, guys, I'm getting in the taxi. Like my daughter's in the taxi. Stop. Wait for the next taxi. And there's more taxis pulling up. And then two more people from this group come and then three more people from this group come and she's screaming. And it's this, this foreigner that cut in line, right? Is their narrative. Like, guys, I'm getting in the taxi. Don't put hands on me again. He grabs my wrist again, spin out. And now I'm like, okay, they're all not. So I push him and I push him into his wife and I have no problem with that. Don't spit at me. I don't care. You're going to get equal treatment for equal action here. And then there's these three guys, big meathead, Jersey Shore looking guys, you know, tough guys behind them. They start squaring up. So as I'm continuing to just get out of there, try to get out of there, and I'm in between, I've got my back to Haley in the taxi. Is the taxi going to drive off? They're screaming and they're still coming. And I'm slowly escalating my words, my actions to, to just get in the taxi and get out of there safe. And this is all happening within about 30, 60 seconds. I've had time to unpack this. So it grabs me a couple of times that time that I pushed him into his wife, he comes back again. And I, I'm already decided if he puts hands on me again, it's lights out. And I've got three different ways to put him lights out. So instead of coming towards me, he dives past me into the taxi and grabs Ooh. Haley. She's 12. 
and, and, and like she's in her flamenco dress, like like she's beautiful. You just reached in and grabbed my daughter. So men, what are you going to do? <laughs> do you hope you have ability capacity to to defend? If you don't, you're not doing a job. If you don't have that capacity, you're not you're not able to protect your daughter. That's not okay. So he's cursing and screaming at her. So this all happens real fast. And I hear this like, <laughs> Haley hits the guy. She's 12. She trains every day. What happens when somebody grabs you? You hit him. She had a wooden fan and she cracked him with it like across the arm. And it messed up his arm. It was a, it was a solid fan. And he started cursing at her. And, and I'm realizing like, wow, I'm a little slow. He's in here. He's in the taxi. Haley's hit him by time it's registering with me. Because you get this tunnel vision in this kind oh, of engagement. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to choke him out. I'm just going to choke him out, lay him in the street, and we're going to leave. And then he pops out and he grabs me again. And he's like, you're fucking whore daughter. Like, he's telling me this in Spanish. I'm like, okay, dude, like, it's on. And now there's seven, eight people around screaming. So he grabs my wrist. I spin him. I turn him around. And I had him, I had his fingers pointed towards the ground. His arm was 90 in an arm lock. And I had him grabbed by the back of the neck. So he was facing everybody away from me. And I had to decide I'm not going to push him away again because they kept coming back just with more and more aggressiveness. So his fingers went from being pointed down to being 100 degree, 180 degrees pointed up. In so the wrong in a, a Kimura like <laughs> fashion, I was mm -hmm. behind him. I took that thing all the way up, pushed him back into everybody. And I said, would anybody else like any more of this? I'm going home. I just want to get in the taxi. And then I got in the taxi and went home. And yeah, like he's not, you don't, yeah, you don't put your hands on my daughter and you're not going to work again for a really long time. I don't know if it was the wrist, elbow, shoulder, but that whole right limb is going to remember that you don't put hands on somebody's daughter for the rest of his life. And I'm 100% okay with that. And then we went home and then we went to Morocco the next day and played with this cute little baby. Like again, she's sweet. She's gentle. My daughter, but she's fierce and fiery. You don't mess with her. She hit the guy first. I'm mm -hmm. kind and smiling. I'd rather just talk about this, guys. But if you want to do this, I'll break your shit. Yeah. The fact that she had a way to respond, you know, just the, the comfort going away from that, knowing I made the right decision in training my daughter. And that was the, I, I told the story badly to the, my friend that I interviewed yesterday. And I said, basically, like, because his daughter was kind of pushing back, like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, eh you know, let me tell you a story poorly because <laughs> I don't know it all, but I'm like, yeah. this, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Not only did she know how to respond, you know, and acted quickly when you're in that fight or fight mode, you have to downregulate or you will make really poor decisions. Right. Yeah. So there's the fight flight or freeze. And there was this moment where even I probably go, was this happening? Like, okay, this is Seville. These people are nice. What's going on? I'm getting in the taxi. Hands on me. What? Hands on daughter. And this all happens so quickly. And it's, it's mm -hmm. the OODA loop, right? You observe, you Oodaloo, orient, yep. you decide, and you act. And again, back to the ice analogy. So this gentleman had an intention to pull us away and out of the taxi. And he thought the conditions were appropriate to do so. And then he executed. And in that, that that's how you make any decision doing anything. And I had to break that decision in certain ways with certain mm -hmm. levels of conversation, psychology, and violence. And it came down to that because so the taxi drives off and then I'm there with eight guys and she's in a taxi because the taxi driver's like, what's going on? He pulls up. Imagine you're him. And um, yeah, in that situation, we had a little debrief. So the, the anger, there was no anger when I did this. It was conversation, conversation, snap. I got in the door and I slammed that door really hard. And the taxi driver's like, don't slam my door. I said, drive me to the hotel. Because I slammed his door. That was the adrenaline. I was, I got pissed when I got in the taxi. And I'm like, Haley, are you okay? She goes, dude, I cracked that guy. She goes, what happened after that? I said, let's just get home, you know? And here's, here's the funny thing. So I, I do the post on Facebook. I get home. There's about 150 responses, three responses. And I measured them. Number one, I can't believe that happened. That didn't happen. That happens. Like just no awareness or belief that that would happen. Okay. This is the general population. Second response. They said, I wouldn't know what to do. So, okay. Now they say, okay, well, this happens and I know this. I wouldn't know what to do. So they either have their head in the clouds, don't know what to do. And then the third one, they're like, you must be so traumatized. I had people, oh, we're, 
we're praying for the trauma, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we're good. Like, I just made a coffee and drank it. It's no different. She trains this every day. She has been grabbed over and over and over and over for eight years. And she knows how to, it's, they wouldn't know what to do. And she thinks we're traumatized. I'm like, we're not traumatized. It was an experience and I need to make sure we debrief. And it was just so natural to us. We, I got in the car. I'm like, is our, is my tie good? Do we lose buttons? We're checking our stuff. And we're like, good job. Good job, Haley. And, and again, I was really fired up. Then, then I messaged Emily and told her and she's like, what happened? You should have seen the exchange. I said, Hey, oh, we're yeah. okay. We just got attacked. And Emily was like, holy cow, she's 5,000 miles away. Is everybody okay? Yep. And, uh, we, we talked about it, but for me, it really helps me remember my purpose of, um, sharing this to share what people really don't realize happens on a, just a daily basis. Uh, and, and, and we have the skill to provide to people to protect them. So we're building a program out. We've been talking about this for years. We're having a seminar here in just a couple of weekends where we talk to people about these things because mm. it's not if it's when, and if you think yeah. it's an if thing and it's never going to be a win, I, I, yeah, I, you're going to experience that when you're going to be really surprised about what happens to you and it's, and it's not okay. Yeah, that's. That's an incredible story. I think it's an incredible opportunity for listeners to realize that you are either prepared, trained, or not at this moment. And there's only one thing you do. It's, it's the best time to plant a tree was, and second best is right now. The best time to get yeah. started on being prepared is right now. I think you had four responses because I think I, I think my response, and maybe oh, I just messaged you was there was a fourth. <laughs> I, I was like, we just got to get. I got to have you tell a story on the podcast. <laughs> It, the the fourth yeah. was people that, that know and they know how and they understood the dynamic and they basically said, okay, we know these 150 people don't really know the whole, and they just said, right. good job. It was a, it was yep. a jujitsu emoji or they messaged me and said, good job. Good job. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Copy or oaths or whatever they say in jujitsu, right? It was, it was those guys like, yep, they sure mess with the wrong person. And then my thought is though, like the, the, the power in sharing this story is what am I going to do with it? What can we do with it as a gym in our community? Because Loveland is just riddled with people that come here to do drugs that are decriminalized. And I, I walked into a Starbucks bathroom 6 a.m. the other morning, a guy's in there jacking off Ugh. with his pants down, door unlocked, 6 in the morning, right? And he says, you get the F out of my bathroom. And I go, hold on. And Starbucks is like, yeah, we can't do anything about that because of our policy. Like, why am I even in Starbucks anymore? First of all, but like where we live, there's people on fentanyl and needles in their arm just because it's allowed and no one's doing anything. And then I did, I did a post about it, you know, and uh, people are reaching out. And then one person said I was inciting anger and violence because that's what she thinks. Well, that's it's like, bad. no, this is happening here. This is happening. I stated facts and people Reality. responded. If they're all angry, maybe that says something to you there. Mm. So yeah, how do I, how do I contribute to that? I, I teach these skills to other people and share the story. And anybody listening, just go do some jujitsu, go find something right away. Cause my kids yeah. are good. My kids are, they're good. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it's, it's a message that can't be shared enough, but the, the real story behind it is, is, I think hopefully has jolted a few people to be like, Oh, I don't know what I would do in that situation. It would have been bad. It would have been you really bad. For don't know people. what to do. The real danger, the real danger is and, and being dangerous, right? That's ability to commit violence and kill somebody, but it's contained. That's a contained dangerousness. When you're threatening, you're actually a threat and you're harmful is when you know a little bit and you can't contain it or you don't know anything. And then you just smash somebody or whatever. And you mm -hmm. have these, these tools that you don't know anything about what you're dealing with. And then you really hurt somebody at the wrong time for the wrong reason. That's a, that's a problem. And that's yeah. what, that's where I would have been if, yeah. if jujitsu didn't come into my life. I guarantee you I, I'd be put away for hurting somebody for as angry as I was. So jujitsu saved my life. It's made our family so much better. It's given something to my kids that I never had and really important part of, of raising them. And I know that, you know, if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and Riley's got to be the guy to protect the girls, he totally does. We've had that conversation. Step right up. He, and he's good. Yep. He, he catches me. He's not old enough to be a blue belt. I'm a black belt in jujitsu. He'll, he'll catch me sometimes. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know yeah. That. Thanks for letting me. It was, uh, and there's, I have a, I have notes I wrote down. There's about eight different things I wanted to talk about as well. <laughs> 
We so, need to make this a regular it, it's, uh, occurrence, me and you. It's a good problem when you when you interview people and you're like, "Hey, we I gotta we gotta circle back around and make sure we cover this because every time we do that, we'll have another thing to cover." So, listeners, if you enjoyed Matt, like I do, incredibly enjoy Matt, and and first of all, check out his content. Go follow him. He drops videos very frequently, and the content is really good and really relevant, especially if you're kind of the listener that I'm finding out there. If you're not one of these, don't don't stop listening. But if you're kind of entrepreneurial, business-minded, and you are a man who believes that you um, have a calling to lead, lead your family, to lead your community, to lead your, your wife, to uh, ha- be at a higher standard than our society is currently asking for, then you definitely need to go follow Matt because he has very similar viewpoints as mine. So if you like those, you'll like his. If you don't like mine, go follow him because I want you to hear it more and more and more and become more like-minded. <laughs> and, and if and if you're all those things and then you feel like, here's here's where I really think I bring value in this space is um, you know this and you're in this space as a man, but then you, you feel stuck off yeah. track. In, in the mud, I help people get back on track and unstuck, not because I'm so brilliant or anything like that, is that I've been there. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've been trying to be this for such a long time. And then certain things pull me back into what I was told I was going to be, right? Which yeah. was just a piece of shit in prison somewhere, which I probably would have been. So we, we get off track and that's okay. And this thing's a journey. You know, Scott and I are here to journey with men and life is a journey and you don't want to do it alone and you're going to get off track. You're going to get lost. That's why we're doing the Camino. You know, you, 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 you're used to this trail that you have. And if that's taking you to the destination you're supposed to be in, great. If not, you got to lay down a new trail. And that's hard at first. Oh yeah. 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 So we're here for you. We're both here for you. There's no excuse to say that there's not two guys that are here to contribute to your life and your story in big positive ways. So thank you, Scott, for allowing me to do this with you alongside you. Matt Schaup, S-H-O-U-P. Don't say Schaup or you're going to have to sing it. Well, yeah, I've I've learned that the hard way. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I, do you have a podcast or anywhere where people can plug into you? Yeah. So we have the gentle art of leadership podcast. It will be launching mid August, mid to late August. Season one is talking about pouring into people. So it's how do you connect with contribute to and care for others? That's really good. So yeah, we are pre-recording episodes right now. When you're in the Denver area, we have in-person studio. Like you've got to come on the show out here. And yeah, that'll be dropping. And then in the meantime, I don't know when this is set to post, but you know, dot grab the tools. Everything's on the website. Yeah. 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 I appreciate you, brother. Thank Thanks, you for man. sharing your knowledge, experience, and uh, desire to help other people. It's very, very encouraging, very uplifting. And it's, it's amazing to be talking with people who I know are going to better my life and better the life of people listening. So thanks again. Catch you really soon. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.